If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be focusing on John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Or if you have your Bible app, we invite you to open them and follow along just a few moments as I read our passage for this morning. As you're finding your passage, I want to ask you a question. And many of you, if you're from the metropolitan Richmond area or the surrounding area, you'll remember the earthquake that hit back in 2011. How many of you remember the earthquake, almost all of you, in August of 2011? The epicenter was Louisa County, as we later understood. But I don't know about you, I will never forget where I was when the earthquake hit. The, the three members, our, Melanie, Isabel, and I, we were all at home, and we were in the family room. And then all of a sudden, it was like a jet plane was getting ready to land over my house. And I grabbed Isabella, and I ran to the bathroom. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Well, my wife says, no, no, that's for a tornado. Go outside. So thanks be to God for my wife who keeps me focused. So we all ran outside into the front yard and the rumbling, the trembling stopped and there was a still awkward silence and we realized that it was indeed an earthquake that had just hit. Our neighbors were out in their yards and everybody sort of had the bewildered look on their face. We talked some and then we went back in to see what the news was going to report and what social media would say and it started lighting up. And if you were to watch the news reports of the earthquake, I know Channel 8 would have had their view and Channel 6 theirs and Channel 12 and then Channel 57 which is Fox. Each one of those four networks would have had their own perspective to report the story of the earthquake that hid the mid-Atlantic region on that day. By the way, the trembling was felt as far north as New York and into Canada, as far south as Atlanta, Georgia, and even out into the Midwest. It's just an, an amazing, powerful earthquake. The way that we see the news reporting is sort of like the way that the Gospels record the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you were to look at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, each one of them gives their own unique vantage point or perspective on what happened on the day of the resurrection. And to get a complete understanding or a complete picture, it would be helpful for us at, in our time of study and devotion to read through all of those gospel accounts. Today we're going to focus on the gospel of John. And we're going to hear a story about Mary Magdalene and Peter and John as they went to the empty tomb. Matthew's gospel tells us that there was an earthquake. Mark speaks of the women who arrived at the empty tomb. Luke speaks of Jesus in his resurrected form having a meal with his disciples and then John's account of Mary Magdalene and Peter and John. As we set things up for our, our, our scripture, a message that Will Willimon gave on the resurrection really helps me to bring it home. He says, by the way, he's the one of the professors at Duke Divinity School. 
pastor and writer, and he says, we modern types try to explain the resurrection. And he's right. I think many of us try to explain the unexplainable and come up with logical and reasonable answers. And that's sort of the way that we're trained in our scientific way of thinking. But Williman continues and says, you can't explain the resurrection. Resurrection explains us. I love that. You can't explain the resurrection. Resurrection explains us. We are a resurrection people, people of hope. And then he says, Easter is about God. A God who creates a way when there was no way. A God who makes a war on evil until evil is undone. A God who raised Jesus from the dead just to show us who's in charge here. Even death couldn't contain Him. On the cross, the world did all it could to Jesus. At Easter, God did all God could do to the world. And the earth shook. And Williman says, you don't explain that. You witness it. You witness it. That's why the resurrected Christ first appeared to His own disciples. They had heard Him teach and preach. They had seen Him heal. They had seen Him when He loved the poor. They had seen Him when He attacked the rich and the selfish. They watched Him be arrested by the soldiers, tried by the judge, and crucified. Jesus first appeared to His disciples because they were able to recognize that this risen Lord was none other than the crucified Jesus. So our context for the morning of that third day as we look at John's account, doesn't include the earthquake. Doesn't mention a supper in the evening with the disciples. John focuses on what Mary Magdalene experienced when she arrived at the tomb and on the responses of Peter and John as they received the news. Let's read our passage. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put Him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And verse 11 now Mary, she stayed. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. I can only imagine what that would have been like. But she did not realize at the time that it was Jesus. And Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll, I'll go get him. And Jesus, Jesus said, 
Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. As you hear that story, I'd like for us to focus on the ways that we respond to faith in Jesus. God desires to have a personal relationship with every single man, woman, and child. But we come from different paths of life, different walks of life, just like the early disciples. Mary Magdalene, as you know, had been demon-possessed. And Scripture tells us that Jesus healed her of seven demons. And Peter and John, they were fishermen. They came from a different walk of life and so on with the other disciples. Each of us has our own past. Each of us comes to God in a very unique way. On that morning, Mary, Peter, and John responded a little bit differently. And I would ask as we walk through these applications that you might identify with one of them in your own walk with Jesus. If you're a Christian, maybe you came to the Lord that way. Or if you're not a believer, maybe you'll respond to the Lord in one of these ways. Like first, like Mary, maybe I need to hear a word from God. I need to hear a word. After Mary saw the empty tomb, she ran to tell the disciples. And then Peter and John ran back. And then they went back to their homes. But Mary remains. And she's grief-stricken that her Lord not only has died, but that somebody may have taken His body. And in her grief, she encounters Jesus. And with one whole, with one word, her whole world changed. With one word, Mary. She knew that it was Jesus. And she was the first person to see the risen Lord. The first person to be able to go share the news that He had risen. It shows you the value that Jesus placed upon women in His ministry. And I'm thankful that we value that here at this church to this day. And her hearing that word also reminds us of the shepherd-sheep relationship that she would have had with Jesus. You know, the shepherds would bring their sheep into a pen at night. Often it was a stone wall with three sides and a smaller opening. Uh, And then at night, after all the sheep were there, a watchman would lay across or stand guard in the opening so that predators wouldn't come in seeking their prey. And then in the morning, the shepherds would come and they would call their sheep and the sheep would only respond to their shepherd. If it was another shepherd, those sheep would remain in the pen. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. Mary knew the voice of her shepherd, of her Lord Jesus. John's Gospel helps us to understand this. Chapter 10, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own out, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow them because they what? They know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. 
verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And then verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Some of you just need to hear a good word. Maybe it's a word from God through your Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's a word through one of the songs that you've heard this morning. Maybe it's uh, this message or another sermon that you've heard. Maybe it's God's still small voice speaking to you through the Bible when you read it. Maybe it's, maybe it's when you pray. Maybe you're the kind of person who just needs to hear that word. And I pray that you'll hear it today. Or maybe like Peter, you need to see the evidence. You need to see some proof. Peter arrived. He had to go in to see what was there. He just had to go in. Verses 6 and 7 of our, of our passage. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. He had to see what was there. And I'm reminded of Thomas, one of the other disciples who needed to see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and His pierced side. He needed to, to see the proof before he could fully believe. And when he did see that, he said, my Lord and my God. It reminds me of Lee Strobel. Some of you are familiar with his writings. He was a former legal editor of the Chicago Tribune newspaper. He was an atheist. His wife was a strong Christian and she had been praying for him to come to Christ. And he decided that he would, through his investigative journalism techniques, disprove the resurrection, disprove uh, the Christian faith. And he couldn't. He came to Christ and he became a pastor and writer and has written many books like A Case for Christ, A Case for Case, A Case for Faith, A Case for Easter. And some of you who are the kind of people who need to do an investigation, who need to see the facts, uh, you, you would benefit from reading some of his materials. And then you might be like John. Maybe you connect more through a personal relationship. John arrived before Peter, but he didn't go in. Peter went in first, and then John went in after. And the, verse 8 says, The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and he believed. That's the kind of faith I would like to have. It's a childlike faith. I just believe. And Bob, that, you know, I would stop trying to prove everything. That I could just believe. And that kind of relationship that Jesus had with John helped him to see and just believe. The text doesn't give us anything more than that right there. And I think that's how, at least, I, I take it. Bill Hybels, another great writer and pastor of Willow Creek Church, has a a book that talks about these personal relationships that we have with our friends that can help them come to an understanding of God through Jesus Christ. In his little book, Just to Walk Across the Room, it helps us to see the importance of our connecting with people and walking across the room to build a relationship with somebody. And through that relationship, they may come to a church and may come to know the Lord Jesus. If I were to ask you today, if you're a believer in Christ, how many of you came to Jesus through an argument? I wonder how many that would be, right? I don't know that arguing somebody to Jesus is very successful. 
And there may be somebody, some people who respond to that. But I, I, most people I know come to a faith in Christ because somebody invited them. It was through a personal relationship. They connected with somebody and saw that their life had something going on that they would like to have. And that's how they came to faith. Many people see us as Christians and they want what we have. How do I have that joy? I see you're going through a terrible crisis, a job loss, a sickness, or uh, marriage struggles, or financial circumstances that are difficult, and you're, yet you still have this joy. How do you do that? And you might say, it's my faith that carries me through these times. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Christians, our relationships with others are so very important. If you're not a believer today, I pray that you'll take one step closer to walking with God. Maybe it's one step closer to reading a book that can help explain more about the Christian faith. One step more to talking to somebody you know is a believer. One step closer to responding to the invitation and submitting your life to Jesus, surrendering to Him, and, and being baptized. Maybe today is that day where you'll take one step closer. I pray that you will not leave this place today without having taken one step closer to Jesus. He's pursuing you, and He wants you to run to Him. And all believers in the room, here's a question that I have for you. How can your life be a pathway for others to Jesus? How can our lives be a witness to others? How can our lives be a pathway to others to Jesus? That God could use us to touch the lives of others and that they would come to faith. How can that happen? And here's a prayer that I would encourage you to pray as you reflect on that question. Lord, let my life be the proof of Your love. Can we say that together? Let my life be the proof of Your love. John writes in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And Jesus said this in John 15.8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus showed us how much He loved us when He died on the cross for us. And the evening that He was betrayed, He took bread. And He blessed it and He broke it. And He said, this is My body which is given for you. As often as you meet, eat it. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and He poured it out and blessed it and said, this is My blood which is shed for you for your sins and the remission of sins of many. This is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you meet together, drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Easter day, a day that we celebrate that you're alive. But as we celebrate that You are alive, we remember Your death on the cross. 
that you willingly and sacrificially journeyed the road to the cross and died to defeat death once and for all. And on the third day you rose. And we are here today celebrating our redemption that is made possible by your sacrificial gift to us on the cross and the hope that is afforded to us through the resurrection. As we come, we thank you for this gift. And we also pause and confess our sins to you. We pray that there would not be anything that would hinder our communion at your table. Through Christ we pray, amen. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to take